Uh, you are back with BDR Resourcing. Good morning. Morning, Ryan. Morning, Tom. Hello. Uh, we are going to crack on with episode three of season three. Excellent. Uh, we've been we had a we had a question come in between the last podcast and now asking if we are the same Scottish voice or if we're actually two different people. So just to clear that up early early on, yeah, we're we, se- separate people. Separate, but still related. Still related somewhere, somewhere along the line, but not actually related. Um, so I hope that hope that makes people a nice, bit of, nice bit of trivia there. So yeah. Um, I think it's probably nice to start off on a on a light note before we get into the the nitty gritty. Uh, so this podcast is going to be focused around uh, should I be applying through NHS jobs? Should I go through a recruitment agency? I mean, again, a lot of this is going to come down to personal preference and personal. Yeah, it's, it's a real contentious one. This bit of a yeah, it is a contentious issue. We'll give you the advantages and disadvantages of both. Um, obviously, slightly slightly biased from the, the BDI side but we'll try and be as impartial as we can no, I, I mean I, I think um, regarding this particular one um, there's good reasons to apply on NHS jobs and there's good reasons to apply via an agency I, I think it just again individual preference but also grade level as well is, is really important yeah I think the reason that anyone's listening to this is that there's a lot of information out mm-hmm. there and trying to condense it all and learn it all and give yourself the best opportunities yeah. is sometimes pretty difficult so I guess the I guess the sort of main thing in terms of a recruitment agent is that you're speaking to somebody who hopefully knows what they're talking about I mean certainly for for the people at BDI, we know that all of the blogs and vlogs and information that you put out that they're very well versed in their yeah. in their specialties. That said, with NHS jobs, um, if you're applying for a a more junior role or there are particularly you know niche subspecialist interests mm. that you have, NHS jobs is always a, a good place to start. I think the limitation of that is just that um, it doesn't often show the full picture. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I guess, I mean, if we start with the advantages of NHS jobs, that yeah, as you mentioned, Tom, I mean, it, it should give you a snapshot in time of all the available jobs in the NHS. Um, but to caveat that, um, that there are a lot of NHS jobs that have uh, been advertised unsuccessfully. Um, but again, I, th- I think if you're a really junior doctor with not a lot of experience, um, and you I mean you may have just passed PLAB, and you might have, um, have one two years clinical experience. Um, the NHS uh, uh, applying through NHS jobs is going to be the best way in which you can get a job. Um, that a hundred percent. If an agency tells you that that they can get your job at that level, then they're, they're, they're lying basically. Being as diplomatic as possible. I mean, the, the, we just do not. We just do not get those those grades of jobs. And there's a good reason for that, is that the NHS can recruit those doctors themselves. Yeah, I think it would be, I'd be interested to know, I'm not sure I would mm. ever do this, but for the people listening to this podcast, a bit, a bit of a straw poll as to if you are a junior doctor or you have just passed mm. PLAB, how many agencies have you contacted? And how, how often do they come back to you immediately? And then how often do they offer you something that is that yeah. turns out to be the real deal and, and and I think that's I mean we get so many applicants uh, via our, our kind of website because of all the great social media stuff that we do and uh, we are, will always be nothing but honest I mean we have hundreds of doctors applied to us each and every month 
Um, and for those doctors uh, at that at the kind of junior, really junior level, we will we will give them really good advice. We'll always give you a, a come back and answer questions, but our advice will always be look on NHS jobs, apply to. I mean, not again. Caveat this: not to every job, but jobs you genuinely are interested in, uh, to give yourself the best best chance, and obviously adjust your CV, etc., to to fit that. But um, yeah, I, I mean, NHS jobs. If you're a junior doctor, first protocol, really. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward as well. So if you set up an NHS job account, mm. uh, upload your CV, you can start to apply to to as many or as few roles as you like. Again, I know Ryan just touched on it there, but. I, I, it will not do you any favors if you just apply for 101 different jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, the the best thing you can do is again going back to the last couple of podcasts in this series is really have a think about what it is that you're looking for. What what are you hoping to to gain out of your move to the UK? What what kind of location? What kind of clinical responsibilities? I know that can be hard if you're if you are more junior doctor and you haven't worked out what you want to do by way of specialty. But I mean the biggest the biggest thing that we get told when we do recruit for junior do- jobs for hospitals is that um, if you are, say for example, we had a client who was looking for junior doctors in surgery, mm. they would be saying we only want to see CVs or we only want to interview people who want to pursue a career in surgery. And if they can demonstrate that they've got six months experience within general surgery or trauma orthopedics or some other subset of that, then that will always give an advantage. If you if you've just done your internship years and you've rotated through lots of different things, then you're still you're still not putting your your best foot forward. So sometimes it is better to to keep in your current healthcare system and get yeah. a little bit of experience under your belt. Mm. And, and again, just to, to highlight uh, another, it's a real frustration for me sometimes when I see on social media, for example, where um, doctors seem to think that it's okay to uh, just get the foot in the door, apply for a job, and then uh, change after one two months I think that's doing a real disservice to those doctors who are genuinely interested in a, speci- a specialism and also doing a real disservice to um, the NHS trust that probably put a lot of time and effort into uh, trying to try to recruit the doctor as well yeah and the patients because ultimately mm. that's the the bottom line here is that they're, they're the ones who will suffer the most from yeah. a lack of continuity of, of care the, the last couple of advantages for NHS jobs really are that you can receive NHS job alerts directly to your email address. So yeah. you'll get a sort of regular, if you sign up with your account and then input the information about what it is exactly that you're looking for, you get a list sent. I think it's daily actually, where they send you an update of any new jobs that have yeah. been published that fit your your criteria. And within that, you'll get all of the job descriptions, all of the departmental information. I think we talked about in the previous podcast, information about the local area and the surroundings and activities and, you know, living standards and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you are, if you find something specific that you want, NHS jobs is is the way to go. Uh, and if you are more junior doctor, definitely it's the more advantageous route. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I think the another good advantage of NHS jobs as well, that you can actually log into your account and actually see where you've applied. It's quite a good way of keeping a track of um, uh, knowing exactly where your CV's gone to and, and where um, uh, which trust you're waiting feedback from and what stage you're at as well. The, um, the kind of drawbacks with NHS jobs though, um, and uh, again, this isn't the NHS's fault 
it's just simply, um, it, I guess it's pressure, isn't it? Like, I know particularly for junior um, level jobs, they can receive hundreds of CVs yeah. and that is a very time consuming task to go through every single CV for someone in HR or medical staffing that have a million and one things to do as well. So don't be surprised if, it's not a quick turnaround. Um, it can take months. Yeah. <laughs> I literally have heard of uh, someone who applied for a job three months ago and then got called for an interview. Yeah, and by that point, you may have found <laughs> something yeah. else already. Um, I think that that length of time, it's probably helpful to understand just before we, we move on as well, that when a, when a department put a job advert out on NHS Jobs or BMJ Jobs, whatever website, They've gone through a process of first identifying that they need somebody. Mm-hmm. Then there'll be a general discussion in the department internally about what they're looking for. Then the lead consultant or clinical director will write a job description. Then it needs to be approved. Then it needs to get sent to HR. Then they need to post it. Then it needs to be open for 28 days to, um, you know, as a, as a legal requirement. Um, then at that point, they will shortlist CVs. Then they'll be invited for interview, maybe. I mean, that that in itself can take six months. And so you might have a vacancy that's been there for a year, but you'll only ever see two NHS job adverts for it. So that that the time that it takes to go through that process is quite long for an applicant, if there are high levels of, of people applying, but also from a trust side, you know, we talked about snapshot in time, all of the jobs that are on NHS jobs do not reflect all of the vacancies yeah. that are in the NHS at any, any moment. And that's, you know that's maybe where there's an advantage or there is an advantage for an agency who've got relationships mm. with the department to to know what what's happening before it reaches that point yeah no absolutely um the other kind of um well i would say disadvantage um because uh, again this is absolutely up to individual preference but um again if you are applying via nhs jobs um, I know there are lots of useful social media groups nowadays, um, which, which probably wasn't the case in the past, but you will be doing absolutely everything on your own. Um, so for some people, that's absolutely fine. That's what they want to do. Um, but again, when it comes to um, an a interview to job offer, you're not going to get any interview preparation um, you're not really you probably won't have a lot of great knowledge about the department itself um, unless you do some really really kind of deep research into it mm-hmm. um, you're also gonna probably have to wait a long time for the offer letter to come out yeah. you're gonna have to the, the offer letter that does come out probably won't have a, a, a kind of a, an actual fixed salary on it it's gonna be a, a wide range so again, these are all the things when applying directly via NHS jobs is, is that it, it just, I guess it's time. Time's probably the biggest drawback with it. And if you've got plenty of time, it's fine. <laughs> but if you're in a, a hurry to get to the UK and you want things done efficiently, then applying via NHS jobs, it, again, uh, that's a, a broad brush there. I mean, some HR departments are great, yeah. uh, some not so great. Um, and I mean, but again, that just comes down to the individual, doesn't it? Yeah. And I guess if you were working a full-time job in a hospital, do you have time to chase up all these things? Mm-hmm. Because as Ryan said, to salary isn't so much a negotiation with the NHS because everyone's, you know, everyone's complying with the same NHS pay scale, but there are different interpretations and the evidence that you provide to whoever it is that assesses your experience to decide what salary you get it can can be different between different hospitals and so having somebody who can support you with that give you an idea of when maybe somebody is 
put you down a, a level that you could argue to increase your salary mm. then you know that is obviously a great support if you need somebody to chase up offer mm. letters or documents or help you with tier two visa applications or you know any of the other bits that come post interview mm. you will have to do that by yourself if you're if you're going via this route you won't get the support of somebody who's done this a million times before mm. who knows the, the questions to ask and who can support you with that and you know, as we've already said, if you've got a full-time job where you are in, in a hurry, then maybe that's not the most convenient thing for you to do. Yeah. Um, and convenience is, is a big is a big part of this. Um, so generally, you know, nothing wrong with NHS jobs. We're not here to replace that as a route for, for hospitals to, to find doctors to fill their roles. But we are here to offer an alternative solution when, you know, when people need a bit more help or when they don't have the time or they want to ask more questions and yeah. need some support. I know that for me, if I was going to move my family to another country, I'd probably want somebody who was in that country to, to give me a hand and point me in the right direction mm. and, you know, make me aware of what all the different terminology means and all the different pay scales and all the traps and problems that you might face and, and be able to help me with that kind of stuff. But again, that's that's personal preference. If you're the type, type of person who's super organized and, and you can handle that, then um, by all means, that's a, that's a really great thing. And then NHS jobs becomes a really great tool. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, so what about recruitment agencies, Tom? Um, They're I, terrible. Uh, terrible, don't like them, wouldn't well, work with them. Yeah, most of them are, <laughs> uh, apart from us. Uh, no, I, I think uh, the kind of disadvantages you get from NHS jobs are exactly the advantages that you do get from an agency. I think that's there's nothing more complicated than that, really. With, with, our, with our recruiters at BDI Resourcing, everybody works within a vertical niche specialty. So the same as, as you as a doctor, they work within one specialty. So our recruiters will have will have somebody who just deals with pediatrics or just deals with radiology or just deals with emergency medicine for mm. sometimes for a particular region or just within that specialty. And that means that when you're speaking to them, you know, and, and again, there are some great HR departments out there and some really, you know, talented and switched on people. But sometimes you might come across somebody who's not been working in the NHS for that long or who doesn't understand all of the different component parts of your specialty. Our recruiters can ask the right questions about what it is that you're looking for. They can help you tailor that search, take the stress away from you where if you've got a full-time job, tell us what you want or what your ideal looks like and we will we will go and do the work mm. for you. You don't need to fill out application forms. You don't need to do that sort of labor-intensive yeah. administration. I mean, a, a point that gets raised with us quite a lot as well, and I, again, it, it's one of the real frustrating things for, for myself and I know the, the rest of the team at BDI Resourcing is that um, I, I, agencies will say uh, lots of weird and wonderful things to, to potential doctors. I mean, one which is quite common is that don't apply on NHS jobs, um, at, at which, again... If it's a competent recruitment company with lots of good uh, good market knowledge within the specialism, um, then that might be the right advice because that hopefully that person will be able to get you exactly what you want. But I hear that advice being given to doctors that, again, we mentioned about junior doctors that have just passed PLAB with not that much kind of, uh, specialist experience. Mm. And they're sitting there waiting for somebody to come back to them. And they never do. And inevitably, they can't get a job. And I think that, again, that's that's one of the things that breeds a lot of mistrust with, with agencies as well. Um so, I mean, the, the way that I always look at this um, is that there, there's good and bad in, in every every industry, really. Um, I, but, and I think that where BDI resources are slightly different to 
other other agencies in the recruitment market and particularly in this field is that um, we, we pride ourselves on being honest. Um, I think you can see that building trust with international dots is really, really important. Um, and I think everything that we do in terms of our kind of social media output, we're not trying to sway people one way or the other. Um, yeah, and- let, let people make informed decisions. Yeah. I think that's the key to it, isn't it? It's that if you can't help somebody, you tell them that you can't help them. And mm. if you can, you give them the options that you can provide them. Yeah. I think a lot of our... I actually think a lot of people that work with us will probably do some NHS job applications yeah. alongside working yeah. with us. And that's absolutely okay. Uh, and I, I, again, that just on that point, Tom, I mean, as long as, as long as you are absolutely honest about it, there's not an issue at all. Um, and I think that um, where maybe, I, I think certainly when doctors have been approached by various agencies as well, that mistrust kind of breeds. And, and again, this is if you're going to work with an agency and partner with an agency, um, just just be honest, I think, is the, the, the main thing. And that's what we expect from our candidates and our candidates can expect from us is just absolute honesty with it. Yeah, and do, do your research as well. I mean, as, as the NHS moves more towards... Um, in terms of volume international recruitment mm-hmm. of doctors is something they're getting better at they never yeah. there were never really any systems or processes in place before now mm-hmm. more trusts are entertaining you know larger projects or models of, of bringing doctors in who've trained initially overseas yeah. that there are more companies popping up who purport yeah, to help with that and you need to make sure that you know whether it's BDR resourcing or anyone else that you're working with someone who as Ryan said is honest and does have your best interests at heart because there are companies out there and recruiters out there who don't and I know again if I was moving my family to another country I would want to know absolutely completely that I could trust the person I was speaking with just on that Tom actually it was uh, quite funny I I, I saw a CV yesterday uh, and this is really a really really important point is it's your CV that's really important it's an important document Uh, do not have control of that know where it's gone know which hospitals it's been sent to and don't let uh, anybody change it without your consent yeah. uh, I saw I, I, I'm not going to mention the name of the company but uh, the branding oh, is, is is very much like co-op <laughs> <laughs> which is the a well-known brand in the UK um, but they'd actually um, changed the CV so much and made it so much worse they'd literally taken out half the doctor's experience and for what reason I have absolutely no idea so again, that's a really important point. Make sure that I mean the person you're working with that you, that they don't change your CV. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, again, you've probably put a lot of time and effort into creating that. Again, get advice from a good recruitment agency about the, the style, etc. What what pertinent points must be in the CV, etc. Again, I know that we help a lot of doctors preparing their CVs. Uh, we've got CV templates and we've done lots of blogs and vlogs on, on that type of thing as well. But yeah, it, it, it's just crazy to me sometimes some of the things we see. Yeah. Um, but again, that does come back to the trust thing. And I understand why international adults are quite distrustful of recruitment agencies. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, in terms of sort of bucking the trends, I mean, I hope everyone can see and maybe you've stumbled across this podcast or someone's recommended it to you that we're trying to put as much information out there as possible to help as many different people. So again, you know, we'd love to work with everyone who listens to this. Appreciate maybe you working with someone else. Or hopefully you still find this useful yeah. in terms of the content that's going out. I mean, aside from the the information about what you should be applying for and the sort of negotiation and, and process part of that, mm. one of the main things that we can help you with is is 
in terms of our utilizing our network. Um, so as we said for NHS jobs, it gives a snapshot of the opportunities, but not a list of everything. And we expect that all of our recruitment consultants are speaking to every HR team or lead consultant or clinical director mm-hmm. in the country and in every six week period so that we know exactly what's happening within the specialty at any one given time. We yeah. know where the jobs are likely to arise and, and what the reasons are yeah. and what the hospitals are like and you know, we're, we're, we'll give you the best advice that we can try, as a friend uh, rather than as, yeah. a, as a recruiter. And, and again, again, another major concern that doctors have working at agencies is high pressure sales tactics. Mm. And I think that, again, that is um, it's something absolutely to be avoided. If, um, again, set your stall out really early with the recruiter, um, I think. Don't, don't If you feel under pressure to accept something that is not right for you, don't do it. Yeah. Um, I, I know that certainly the way that we train our staff is that I mean we're, we're not interested in, in somebody signing a contract uh, to go to a place that they, they've no interest in going because ultimately the doctor's not going to be happy the doctor's going to leave the um, the NHS trust is not going to be happy because the doctor's unhappy mm-hmm. it's just there's just no point and I think we respect our doctors enough um, that that we want them to make informed decisions because it's because it's so important. It's such a it's an important stage in their career, not just for the doctor but for the family as well. I just would feel absolutely awful um, on it from a purely um, from a, a human perspective um, if if a doctor had been forced into taking a job they didn't want and hated it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we could talk all day about how I certainly could talk all day about how great Ryan is. I'm sure. Not sure he could say the same about me, but mm. I think if we um, if we move on to the sort of the the negatives, um, I guess. Well, we've kind of already alluded to it. There are some some bad companies out there, and mm. you have to be careful who you're who you're working with and who you entrust with your your personal information. Not all agencies provide equal support. One thing we didn't mention is that we provide aftercare support, so we'll help you with the documents, we'll check your visa application help you with finding accommodation and schools for your kids and all that kind of stuff mm. not everybody will offer that as a as a service you might find somebody that is great up until the point that they get you a, you know a job and then you find yourself all on your own mm-hmm. sort of abandoned because at that point they may feel that their job is done so again make sure that you research the company that you're, you're deciding to, to work with um, I would maybe suggest, even if it's not just one agency, if you, if it's just try and limit the number to, I would I expect it would be better to work with one or two really good agencies or, or one that you really trust uh, rather than 10 different agencies. And actually, as a recruiter, as somebody who helps doctors, if, yeah. you, if you come across somebody who you know is openly working with 10 other, other people, you, you're probably not going to give them as much support as, as you yeah. could do. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the, when it comes to working with agencies, very similar again to when you're making those decisions about um, what jobs to apply for. It's do your research. Um, I mean, uh, we live in a, an age where information is uh, abundant. Um, it's really easy to to look up, look at testimonials, look at um, their uh, are, are, who are they registered with the appropriate recruitment bodies in the UK. Um, are they part of the um, CCS PIP framework, for example, which is, means that they've been approved by 
the UK procurement um, government, uh, sorry, the UK government uh, procurement arm to actually work and supply doctors to the NHS. That, that's a real kind of gold standard, I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to take on there. Um, we're not saying that agencies are better than NHS jobs, mm. but also we're not saying that NHS jobs are better than agencies. Again, as with a lot of this stuff, it comes down to personal preference and your experience. Yeah. So, you know, keep, keep an open mind, but have a good hard think about it. So I know if you're listening to this, you probably have thought about moving to the UK, unless you've just stumbled across this podcast mm. completely by accident. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, put, put a bit of thought into it. Maybe speak to, to somebody. And if you don't feel comfortable with them, go and speak to somebody else. Yeah. And again, just um, just now, a lot of doctors find a way to us through recommendations from the friends. So again, if, if your friends have had a good experience with an the agency, then it's probably going to be a good agency to work with, I would yeah. suggest. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, let's, let's call it quits there for the day. Uh, we will be back uh, next week with episode number four in the season. We'll be talking about what what to expect during your first week, first day, first month, first year in NHS. So the kind of things that you're going to want to prepare, what kind of things you're going to be exposed to and, and what it's what it's going to be like. We'll, we'll do our best to, to prep you. So, uh, yeah, Ryan, we'll, we'll see everyone. Or well, we won't see anyone at all. We'll see each other. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> see you week. next week. <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye.